You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. How do you figure they start to integrate him, Jeff? Do you imagine they'll use him much on the court next season in particular with some of the other bigs they have in the fold there, considering Aaron Baines might return? Or do you think this is going to be like a longer-term development type thing? I think it'll be a longer-term development thing. I think he's got to mature, and I think it's going to take some time, and I think Brad will make sure he earns it. And the great thing is you don't need him. You got Tice, you you bring Baines back. You don't necessarily need him, but but we know how injuries occur. You know, Tice goes down this past year. It would have been great to have a guy like Robert Williams come in for energy. And again, if he plays with energy, he can be a beast. But he's got to play all the time. And I talked to one Texas A&M player about him extensively, and, and that's, what, that's what they told me. They said, listen, if this kid, he's got all the natural ability in the world, but if he gets it and how to work and how to stay – locked in both on and off the court that's going to be the key who comes with them here to boston who's around again if it's al horper they're in good shape from now on i'm robert manning and i'm wearing a huge metal chain so anytime i walk through a doorway i can just lift up and start pulling up and then the first thing you do go back and get jay king back Challenge him to <laughs> and just post him into oblivion. Maybe my got, arms will grow too. Yeah, he's gotten soft with the athletic. He's getting that sweet, sweet uh, <laughs> <laughs> that subscription money. No, he, he hasn't been in the gym. I saw the meeting game. You can take him. <laughs> so let's get into this Celtics right. blog podcast with Sam Sheehan, who directed the mock draft as we went into this week. And we were looking at deep guards, maybe some 3 and D guys who could have fallen to the Celtics deep into the draft at 27. Maybe they go outside the board and jump way up to the front of the draft. That ultimately didn't work itself out. But I don't think what ultimately happened was on anybody's mind. And a guy who you had 12th in our Celtics blog mock draft falls all the way to 27th. So my first question is, do we feel great about the fact that a guy with those kind of tools fell all that way? Or are we thinking, why'd that happen tonight? I, a little bit of both. I was so surprised that he was – when I saw him drop all the way there, I, I really thought the Celtics were just going to go right by him and pick someone else. Because I thought that they're – usually when something like that happens, there's like 
you know, there's information out there that, you know, we don't know about stuff that might have, you know, turned up in the interviews. There have been, you know, rumblings about, you know, Robert having some off-court type of, uh, you know, problems and stuff like that. But um, and then the Celtics took him, which makes me think that, uh, you know, that this was the right fit for him. You know, like the Celtics do their homework. They're one of the hardest working organizations. Um, they didn't have Robert Williams in for workouts and they still took him anyway because they yeah. felt like, he was that much of an upside pick. And, you know, I do think that he did fall into kind of the perfect situation for him. You know, he is, um, you know, if the, the book on him is that, you know, he is a guy who has some difficulty, you know, um, you know, personality wise, you know, maybe um, working hard, um, you know, attitude issues, any of that stuff. He's going into a culture with Al Horford, you know, hopefully with Marcus Smart. Um, with Jalen Brown, you know, with all of these guys, Brad, Brad Stevens. I mean, this is a perfect situation for him where he doesn't have to produce right away. He can learn the system. He can learn how to be, um, you know, a professional at the NBA level. And he can really, you know, just develop at his own pace. And while he's, you know, an excellent value pick, he's also a huge upside pick. I mean, um, this is a guy who really could be like an NBA starter for years to come and the Celtics got him with a deep first round pick at which point which you know when you're drafting it in the first round you just want you know to get a rotation guy there so the fact that the Celtics got a guy with real starter upside and I don't think that that's like a you know uh, that's not an exaggeration you really could be a starter in the NBA is is just magnificent and this is a very long sword with two sides that we're looking at here you know mm-hmm. literally 7-4 wingspan one of the best win- uh, yeah best lengths in the draft out there especially for a guy who's 6'9 so I think that makes up for some of the height concerns he might have Mm -hmm. playing the center position I was going through some of the numbers tonight numbers that make you just go wow like the fact that he only did 17 pick and rolls last year because he was playing Mm -hmm. out of position maybe another reason he falls a little bit here not playing completely in his element after he went back to school for a sophomore year which I think surprised some people but he also comes back and puts up a 27% defensive rebounding percentage, which yeah. is pretty ridiculous. And you see that he's capable of putbacks and great offensive rebounding as well, which is still something that matters, as we found out with the Celtics last year. You know, two years ago, they don't rebound at all. We go, oh, rebounding's overrated. But then they <laughs> come back this year, and they're one of the best rebounding teams in basketball. And they went on a run where... They were pretty much undefeated for the whole season when they were winning the rebounding battle. So we found yeah. out that that matters. But free throws also matter. And there's a guy who shoots 54% <laughs> yeah. Yeah. at the line. So, right. you know, two sides of this coin at every turn with the stats on this guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, you know, on the one hand, you know, you kind of look at, um, you, you know, the book on bigs. We're, we're at a really interesting time in the NBA where, in particular, point guards and bigs, um, are sort of um, there's a lot of them out there in the yeah. NBA and like um, it's sort of seeming like um, unless you've got some of the very best you know bigs or some of the very best point guards it might not be worth you know using assets to get a uh, you know uh, sort of a middling one of those guys because you can get them there's so many of them out there you can usually get um, a pretty good guy on the cheap or for example look at the Celtics getting Aaron Baines for the room mid-level exception last year and how well that worked out like yep. um so, you know, on the one hand, it seems like, you know, it might not be a great idea to sort of use an asset like this on a big player. Um, that said, you know, you are getting cost control on the one hand. And on the other hand, you know, 
Robert Williams does project as one of these guys who could be one of those elite players. You look at the two types of bigs that really succeed in the NBA. One is just these outrageous athletic like freaks of nature, these unicorn guys like um, you know Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, um, Porzingis. you know Porzingis, um, you know, or you know maybe mobile guys, um, you know, good guys like Al Horford who or you know Rudy Gobert who are just defensively anchor, but also are you know kind of mobile. Uh, a little bit more mobile than you might otherwise think. Um, and then the other type is your guys like Clint Capella and DeAndre Jordan, who are just rim-running, hyper-athletic, um, protect-the-rim, true bigs um, that don't necessarily space the floor but also necessarily don't have to because of um, you know their ability in pick-and-rolls, their ability to switch and sort of blow up um, pick-and-rolls and survive on the perimeter with their length and fast-twitch muscle. And I think that Robert Williams definitely projects as the latter. You know, I think he could definitely be one of those guys who could switch onto the perimeter. Um, and that really seems to be where the NBA is going. Like, um, you know, there's the old Bill Simmons thing. Uh, I, I have some... Uh, some of the Bill Simmons stuff, uh, I, I don't know. I think he might have lost some of it in his older age. But this this one, I think, is, is true, that you look at the finals and you see, could this guy have, you know, played um, in the finals? And I think that, that there is value in that. And yeah. I think that Robert Williams, the answer to that question is yes. Uh, you know, he could, he could have played um, in the, the finals. The Clint Capella comparison is fascinating because we are in an era where we're all looking at who could stay on the court against a team like Golden State. And we're looking at a situation now that's twofold. Right now, how can you beat Golden State? And then in the future, how do you create your own wave going forward? And I think a big man it can be part of both of that, even though that would seem to go against conventional wisdom. Clint Capella played fantastically against the Warriors and almost looked at certain points like he was pulling Golden State out of their element, forced them to play JaVale McGee, going into bigger lineups more. He put up 10-10 and 10 against Golden State in that series, managed to play 30 minutes a game, which is mm-hmm. you know the most telling stat of all there. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we have a while to go before we see Williams reach that point where he's even on the court, but if he's able to be the first step toward a team being able to maintain bigger lineups, as I think the Celtics are hoping they can too going forward, seeing how they played last year with more switching, more wings, even more center play. Mm-hmm. Williams is going to be a very useful tool for them to, one, compete now and compete going into the future, though. I do wonder how much playing time he's going to be able to carve out right away with some of the other bigs on this roster, especially if Aaron Baines returns. Yeah, um, but at the same time, I, I think that they don't necessarily um, need to play him, uh, right? I think that that's kind of the benefit of yeah. uh, you know being a being a, a team that has these guys ready. I mean, the Celtics are one year away from probably losing Daniel Tice because um, he's going to hit a restricted free agency. Um, and the Celtics likely aren't going to be able to afford him. I think he's proven himself to be uh, a well above minimum player um, in the NBA. Um, and you know, if I hope the Celtics can return Aaron Baines, I, I think that they probably will um, if they make it a priority. So um, you know, if those guys are back, you know, I think Robert Williams could get some minutes um, as the fourth big, um, depending on where he ends up falling with him in Yabusele and you know who ends up where. Um, but I also don't think it would be the worst thing for him to you know get some of those main reps and sort of you know get um, some of you know those. Uh, that sort of repetitive, uh, those looks. I mean, the la- one of the last times the Celtics drafted this low 
Um, I guess it would be Jared Selinger and Fab Mello, but before that it was Avery Bradley. And yeah. Avery Bradley didn't have much of a role when he first um, you know, stepped well, on the court for I a competitive do, team. I do want to hit on that point, though, because we have seen the Celtics use Maine as a developmental driving force for a lot of the players they've drafted in the past. And we do look back at some of those guys, the success stories obviously being Avery Bradley. Terry Rozier spent a little bit of time up there. We even see seen a guy like uh, Jabari Bird this year come up and play some great minutes out of Maine with him on the two-way deal there. But then I look back on some of the big men that they've sent through there. Fab Mello played so great up there, just didn't translate. Jordan Mickey, we loved him in the second round, never quite worked out. And those are, you know, probably lower-rated guys than a Robert Williams. But I also look at Gershon Yabusele, our favorite still hasn't carved out a role bear. on the team, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at a big man who maybe has concerns about his dedication to the game, as we spoke to Jeff Goodman earlier today. There were stories about him maybe not even wanting to leave his hometown, his small hometown, to play AAU and even get into professional basketball. So I look at all those factors and some of the past stories of Celtics trying to develop big men through their G League, and I... I get a little bit concerned about Williams' development here if he's not going to have time to play with the team. Do you have any of that? I, I guess a, a little bit of that. Um, I think probably actually the person who profiles the closest um, to Robert Williams, who's been a, a Celtics pick in the past, is probably Jared Selinger, who also found himself um, drafting quite or dropping quite a ways um, on you know draft night and found himself you know in the twenties um, when he wasn't expected to be there. Jared Selinger was much higher he he was like uh, you know projected to be like top three or four going yep. into the night but then you know in, injury concerns kind of you know his back got red flags so this is doesn't seem to be an injury concern thing um but you know just uh i think that robert williams has a lot more pedigree than any of those guys that we brought up but you know beforehand a lot of these other bigs have been kind of you know shots in the dark your Jerome, your juan johnson's your fab mellows um, you Jordan Mickey's, um, you know, some of these guys were, you know, more just uh, shots in the dark. This is a guy who um, was pretty much considered to be a consensus lottery pick. I think a lot of people around the league, a lot of smart people around the league. Um, I think it was Jared Weiss had a really good tweet um, earlier tonight of the athletic where he was talking about, uh, you know, uh, he talked to three different um, GMs and they had all had different expletives. <laughs> describing how they felt about the Celtics getting Robert Williams. So I don't I I think that um you know I'm not as concerned about that. I think it's more um I think it's more going to be about uh, you know getting him settled into uh getting him around the vets and in an environment where he's playing hard. I think this is one of the reasons I really want Marcus Smart to be back on the team next year. Um I think Marcus Smart's like a very uh a good mentor for these young guys, you know, um just because of you know he does play so hard, and just yeah, having him around. We saw it at his camp yeah. the other day. <laughs> he took a charge on a kid <laughs> running to the pizza line. Like how could how could someone not learn anything? From the, that? I also saw him teaching them those wacky dribble moves he does out on the perimeter. <laughs> We're gonna have a uh, lot more kids coming up yeah. the way Marcus Smart did if they're all going to his camp. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. So I, I really think that um, you know Williams, he's just. I really think that there's a role for him too because I think he does play in a very interesting way. Um, he's not very skilled. Um, he's not going to you know post you up. 
Um, he's not going to use dribble moves to get to the basket. Um, he's not much of a shooter. I don't expect him to improve much. He's pretty much only going to be flushing it, but he is a passer. Um, he's a pretty good passer, and yeah. I think that, you know, um, that's something that's going to be, you know, interesting, especially um, uh, that gives him an extra dimension. Um, you know, we've seen how the Celtics use penny touches in their offense. It's very important to collapse the defense, re-expand it, and find the shooters. And I think even though Robert Williams isn't as much of a shooting threat, he can still collapse the defense, make those recognitions on those passes. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player for the Celtics on a rookie-scale contract, on a rookie-scale contract that was ended at the end of the first round. So it's going to be only a couple million dollars um, you know, at the end of uh, you know these four years, it's going to be a, a cheap contract. You know, I think at the end of his four years, he's going to be making the same money Yabu's making this year. So, very like a very cost-effective thing, and it can mean a lot for the Celtics in three years to maybe have Rob Williams on the team, um, three years experience, maybe a starting-level center for them at that point um, under you know that type of money. So, a really good value pick. I really don't think it could have gone any better for the Celtics on this draft day, especially because neither the Kings or the Mavericks, neither the Kings or the Grizzlies went home with Luka Doncic. Yeah, it it was just incredible to watch him drop and drop and drop. And it got to 25, and I'm seeing Portland, I'm seeing the Lakers, and I'm seeing the 76ers in rapid succession. There were four teams below that that I knew were pretty set at big. But those three teams pop up, and all of them have concerns on the interior. You know, Philly Mm -hmm. needs a guy to back up and bead. Los Angeles has no one in the front court signed right now. And mm-hmm. Portland, of course, is very guard heavy. And all three of them take different guys. And 27 comes along, and I'm like, all right, is there something we're all missing here on Williams? Is the Celtics right. going to fall right in the line and pass up on him too? But they go with him. And it felt very strange to finally just see a move that everyone was rooting for come through right. with the Celtics. Because usually it goes the complete opposite direction exactly. in that scenario. I do like the points you just made, though, the cost efficiency. Danny Ainge said tonight that when Williams reached that 20 area, they were thinking about moving up so they could get him. And mm-hmm. nothing came together. Ultimately, they have to sit and wait. And him falling to 27 helps with the cap. As you know, every little bit of money that it can take off helps in that capacity. He also said Brad Stevens' affinity to having those bigs who can pass out on the perimeter and get touches on the perimeter and be comfortable passing from that area. A big reason they took him too, and that's a big part of Stevens' offense as a whole and something that's going to bode well with him going forward. But he said it's, he's got to learn the system. He's got to earn that time. And that's still my biggest concern going forward with him is how he's going to be able to break into the system when there's so many guys in front of him. Yeah. You've got you to be able to play defense under Brad Stevens. We've learned that. And, you know, if, if Robert does not learn defense, you know, it's going to be tough for him. He's someone who, um, you know, he projects as a center. That's his ideal position. Yeah. Uh, maybe they might get some minutes for him at power forward alongside Al Horford, which might, you know, sort of release him as a, you know, sort of a shot blocker from the weak side, which could be pretty terrifying. But eventually <laughs> he's going to need to learn to quarterback in a defense, which is one of the most complicated things in the NBA to be a, you know, a, a center barking out the orders and sort of lining everybody up. And it's going to be tough for him. Um, he's going to need to take some hard knocks. And that's why I think a red shirt year for him, you know, sort of going to Maine, getting, you know, 10 minutes a game here and there, I think would it was going to be good for him in the long run. Yeah, let's not underrate how hard that can be, though, that back and forth between Maine and not having a consistent role on the roster, especially mm-hmm. for a guy who obviously has 
dedication issues or at least some sort of issues showing a consistent commitment to the game. I do wonder how much the situation at Texas A&M and some of the turbulence there might have played into that too. Perhaps not the best situation for him to play his college ball, and we know there was a lot of inconsistency around him down there, as uh, Goodman told us earlier too when we spoke to him on the draft show. I gotta tell you about my simple contacts experience. It's not mine, it was really my mom's. She's losing her glasses left and right, and if she cannot see anything, if she doesn't have her glasses, it's ridiculous. So, she's leaning on contacts to get her through her day, whether she's at work or running us around to different appointments and places and just keeping the house going. She can't see anything without the contacts, so... Either she's losing her glasses or she has to go out of her way for a busy day to get contacts, which is just such a stupid thing to throw your day out of a loop for. So simple contacts. <clears throat> it's the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescriptions. It's the 21st century way to do it because we're on the phone all the time, even her, even though she's of a different generation. She's still on her phone all the time. So she'll have the simple contacts app on her phone. She'll see it and say, oh yeah, I gotta renew my contacts. And it takes less than five minutes to do a quick vision test if you get the app for yourself and you want to start using that. I remember she did it. It was so quick. It was probably less than five minutes. And on the other end, they have a licensed doctor review it. You get your renewed prescription and it comes right to your door. You just reorder your contacts right through the app. You don't have to go to a doctor's office or get an appointment, which could cost over $200. This costs just 20 bucks to do a vision test with Simple Contacts. It's nothing. Standard shipping's free. And best of all, they have a promotion for you on the Celtics Vlog Podcast. So all my contact wearers out there, you're going to get $30 off your content $30 I, I've, I've done a lot of reads I haven't seen $30 just go to simplecontacts.com slash banners this is the banners broadcast so go to simplecontacts.com slash banners or just enter the code banners at checkout either way you're gonna get $30 off your contacts Is that's crazy So this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. This is just for your contact prescriptions. It can make it a little bit easier. Hope you see 2020 and renew your prescription. They don't write completely new RXs or examine your eye health, but they are just going to make your life a little more convenient. That's what simple contacts is all about. Hence the simple Uh, he's a freak athlete. He's got an NBA body already. Um, when he plays hard and when he's active, he's really good. He's not a super skilled guy at all. You know, can shoot mid-range. Um, yeah, he was at a camp I was at last summer, an Under Armour camp, and all the college counselors were there, and he kind of bailed out after the first day, which was a red flag to a lot of people. You know, if you want to play um, – Usually you fight through injuries, and he kind of shut it down early with all the NBA guys in attendance. Um, so I, I think, you know, he's a guy that's going to give him, hopefully will give him energy. 
hopefully we'll give him a rim runner uh, who you can play pick and roll with. He can dive to the basket and finish. He can. He's just got to be locked in. And as I tweeted, the best thing for, for Robert Williams is going to be Al Horford. That's going to be the best thing for him. Honestly, if Al Horford takes him under his wing and they put that locker right next to Al Horford, which is the first thing they should do in, in the practice facility and, and at the guard, uh, this kid is not going to fail. He's a good kid. He's engaging. You're going to love him in terms of his personality. Uh, again, he's just got to mature. He's a small-town kid who never really wanted to leave Oil City. Even for AAU, he didn't want to play, and I'm going to tweet out my story that I wrote on him um, prior to the season. He didn't want to leave, didn't want to play for the Houston Hoops for the big AAU group because he, he, he was comfortable. It was a one-stoplight town, and, and, and that's what he is. He's a small-town kid. What other takeaways do you have tonight? Lots of moves impacting the Celtics. I look at three in particular, the Bucks with Dante DiVincenzo as they try to continue to make a leap in the East. You like that one, huh? I, I don't like that one. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm, let me just put it this way. I'm glad, that, I'm glad the Jazz and the Bucks made the picks they did. I'm glad <laughs> they took DiVincenzo and Grayson Allen off the board. If the Celtics had picked Grayson Allen over Robert Williams, I would be in a jail cell right now somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah, he went very early. That that got taken off the cards very early at 21. Yeah. Colin Sexton ends up in Cleveland. Pretty surprising with Michael Porter on the board there. Porter falls all the way down to 14, which was the stunner of the night. But uh, Sexton, think that has anything to do with LeBron, or is that the, just them saying take the best guy there and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, they didn't, um, you know, I think there were, I think you could make the argument there were some better upside guys there. I mean, I think if you were really drafting for upside, I'm not a huge Kevin Knox guy, but I think that he was one of the guys on there uh, at that point that really would have um, given them, you know, a lot of upside um, there. Um, I think if they had wanted Sexton, I think they could have traded back. I don't think that um, they would have gotten themselves in trouble by doing that um, if someone, you know, wanted to trade up and you know beat the Knicks the Knox or uh you know get some of these other guys like Mikhail Bridges or anything like that but I ultimately think it's a it's a fine pick I mean you know it was eighth um in this draft I, I think that LeBron I think that they're ready for LeBron to leave so I think they are worth <laughs> you know the best it. player available <laughs> well I I you know I, I let me put it this We're way I've always one. said well, I said I've said that the the funniest thing that LeBron can do could be go back to Cleveland for one more year because he could make Cavalier Daniel Dan Gilbert pay roughly the GDP of Croatia in luxury <laughs> tax bills. Um, and I think that Dan really wants to get off this money and get out of the luxury tax as fast as possible. Um, you know, and he can kind of pin it all on LeBron. You know, leaving. Um, uh, so I could see we could see the Cavs. You know, if LeBron leaves, they're going to need to blow it up with all this money they owe Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith and all these other guys. Um, sort of break it down, and you know, uh, point guards take a little bit to develop. So drafting Colin Sexton there, um, you know, giving him a year or two to take his lumps and sort of develop into you know a good point guard by the time you bounce back is you know uh, it's a smart move. I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad or a good move. Uh, I think what the Sixers did was very interesting as well. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. And 
Yeah. It, it brings me back to my biggest complaint that I have about the NBA draft still, and we it got going right at number three when Luka Doncic puts on the Hawks hat, and he's getting... And not only did he put on the Hawks hat, but I hear that he got interviewed by ESPN about playing for the Hawks, and that trade came up very quickly, the one that he mm-hmm. was going to the Mavericks, and he's answering questions about playing for the Hawks. He probably knew at that point he wasn't playing for the Hawks. Yeah. One guy who didn't know what was going on was Mikhail Bridges, who uh, got drafted by Philly. It, it just never ends with Philly. You know, they skip out on Porter because they don't want to have to redshirt another rookie, so they avoid that debacle of online nonsense. And instead, they have a guy who's not playing for them get interviewed about playing for them, and his mom works for the team. Meanwhile, they're trading him to Phoenix, right? And yeah. Zaire Smith is the guy in Philadelphia. So... The 76ers, you love this. The 76ers uh, never stay out of negative online headlines, huh? No, oh my God. I so for, first of all, I, I want to. I, I heard saw some people say that Sam Hinkie because you know they draft they traded back and got got another draft asset that Sam Hinkie was back in town. <laughs> Sam Hinkie was not back in town, or they absolutely would have selected Michael Porter, and it would have been another uh, another guy sitting out for a year. And there was um, an intense internal debate about it, as we heard afterwards. Yeah, I I I have to say though, I really love. Um, Zaire Smith, I actually think it was a great trade um, for the Sixers. I think it was a great deal for the Sixers, but it was just absolutely brutal the way that it had to go down. Uh, poor, poor Mikhail Bridges' mom, like she was so happy, and it was just like, oof. Like, I, I know we're the team that dealt Isaiah Thomas in cold blood, but like that was rough to see too. Doing, you know, doing your own coworker, your own coworker like that. Like, come on, man. And, and let's let's talk about the TV event that it is because. We know ESPN and the league are really trying to hammer this in as being a TV event, and they tried so hard this year. They go in saying Woj isn't going to break the news, and then other people are following suit. There was sort of this like casual head nod about, you know, let's, let's make this a fun event. I think you then, even said, like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and yeah, then exactly. Within minutes, Mark Stein's breaking the news. <laughs> and Woj... Woj slowly starts creeping back in with these like funky ways of describing the picks, like enamored by, and like there's no way they're gonna pass up on so and so. And like throughout the night, it just became a running joke. And you know, ESPN wasn't happy about it, but ESPN being ESPN pretty much makes it into the running joke as Sports Center starts that night. I think they called them the Thesaurus Woj in the opener yeah. there. <laughs> God, it was so good. Yeah. It was so good. Like, it was just good entertainment. I, I, I love that uh, Jason Concepcion of The Ringer was, had a pretty funny tweet about, uh, like, uh, Woj saying, oh, we're not going to do it. And then the second Woj, she's someone else tweeting. He just turns into the Hulk, smashing through <laughs> the things and just sending the picks out as fast as he can. Oh, what a um, mess, no, the, the Soros Woj was great. I mean, it would be good to, you know, eventually, I would like to eventually get a draft where we don't know until they announce it. But Yeah, because here's I mean, the once, thing. I mean, us, yeah. like, trying to break it down and analyze, like, we need to know as soon as we possibly can. So even yeah. though I think me and you both agree we'd rather just watch the TV and, like, know when they announce it on TV just for the entertainment factor of it, we're always going to look at the tweets. If someone's doing it, we're going to look, and I always think someone's going to do it because if they, you can do it, that's how you're making a name for yourself. And... I, 
It's it's great. This is how old I am. I remember watching the NBA draft before Twitter. Um, <laughs> the, I, particularly the, the Clay Thompson, Jimmer Fredette uh, draft year. And I just remember being so shocked by some of the picks and like how fun it was to like see the Kings come up and know that the Kings were about to ruin the franchise and then hear <laughs> Jimmer Fredette and then see it on the screen. And it was such a visceral experience. It doesn't quite have the same pop when you just – you're not even watching the screen. You're just refreshing Twitter at an alarming rate. You yeah. know, you see, you see a lot more jokes, but it is, uh, it's not quite as fun. So maybe we'll get there eventually. But Steiny Mo had other plans. Just threw a wrench in that early, which I thought was very funny. I gotta say, one of my secret fears is ending up with a bald head one day. It's scary. I know it's a possibility one day because 66% of men start losing their hair by age 35. And the thing is, when you start to notice that hair loss, it's too late. So, when you start to see the hairline moving north of the border, it's already too late. So you gotta be proactive when you're in your 20s, when you're in your 30s. You don't want it to be breezy up there. So check out Hymns, 4hymns.com. They've created a solution to this issue. If you're one of the lucky 34%, I know some of my buddies got the fullest head of hair. My buddy Bino. It's probably never going to happen to him, but for everybody else at 66%, 4hymns.com is your one-stop shop for hair loss. Skin care and just what general wellness for men. They connect you with real doctors and medical grade solution to treat your hair loss. And what's great is that they've made hair loss optional. There's no waiting rooms, no awkward doctor visits. Like I said earlier, the way you want to do things nowadays is online. Get your health done online and fix your little problems like baldness. And it's not going to involve the snake oil pills or gas counter supplements. These are medical grade generic equivalents to help you keep your hair. So try out Hems. We're going to give you a trial month of Hems for $5 while supplies last. Check out their website for all the details. They'll explain it better than I am. All I can say is that this will cost you hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So check out 4hems.com. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash C-B. C-B is the slash you want to go to for your promo code. The $5 trial month. 4 slash C-B. Tomorrow on CelticsVlog.com, I know Kungu's got something coming long form about Robert Williams, so we're going to learn a little bit more about him as a player and perhaps his background too. I know I'm going to be writing about some of the concerns that might be out there about him and why he fell ultimately. I know Gavoni tweeted that there might be some concerns about his knee as well as the off-court behavior, which we talked about in the opener there. What's boiling up on the Sheehan side tonight? Um, you know, we just uh, we uh, knocked out our uh, draft, uh, our, our big board. Um, you know, the whole Celtics blog staff, you included, Bobby, helped out with, uh, you know, kind of, Pooling our best, um, you know, Celtics box players. I think fantastic hit the nail on the head. That, by the way, yeah, I, th- I think we all hit the nail on the head with some of those. So, you know, Alex and I were 
every day, you know, putting three or four hours into that, each one of those. So uh, I think I'm going to take a, a little bit of a break now. We're going to take a look a little bit of Ro- uh, Robert Williams, but uh, I'm looking to, I'm looking to do something on uh, Kyrie Irving and Uncle Drew uh, when that comes out. I'm definitely going opening night. Definitely <laughs> going to say it's. Uh, Will you I don't... dress up as Uncle Drew, though? As I was say, I'm gonna have to put myself. What was Kevin Love's guy? There was like Kevin Love had a character early on. Leave it to, to, to Kevin Love to have his character forgotten. I don't even know who yes. you're talking about. <laughs> there was. It was like the first like follow up. Like there was the original Uncle Drew Pepsi ad, and then they had a follow up where Kevin Love like hit the court with him, which was uh, it's so funny. You it's so leave old it to now. Kevin Love. Oh my god. Yeah. Where what's gonna happen to him this summer? It would be so Kevin Love for him to end up in Cleveland when LeBron leaves and just have to like carry that sad team throughout the year. Whew. They're going to, they're going to deal. I, if, if he leaves, they're going to deal him. Um, I think they might deal him to like, you know, move some of the salary too, but like, you know, maybe someone like Portland uh, might be a fit, um, uh, a team that's, you know, trying to get things together that has a lot of, you know, uh, unwieldy, you know, money that the Cavs might be able to take back. But, um, you know it's looking good. I thought uh, I thought the I thought the Nets uh, I thought the Nets and Knicks actually had like uh, pretty solid drafts actually. Um, so I uh, you know I think the Atlantic is really shaping up to be you know kind of a dangerous uh, division for years to come. Um, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens once um, July first rolls around and we start uh, you know seeing some of uh, you know what's going on with some of these signings and what's going on because. Uh, the Raptors, God knows what's going to happen with them. Yeah. Um, LeBron is going to hold everyone hostage, um, and you know we're going to see if this Lakers super team comes together. We're going to Kawhi is kind of hanging over everything. I don't know if you saw the comments from R.C. Buford earlier tonight that uh-huh. they want to try and hang on to Kawhi. So, um, and you know the surprise, Cel- yeah, as they hang up on the Lakers and the Clippers today. Very different East, probably. When this offseason yeah. is over, I think the Bucks will still be around. The 76ers will be for sure. Cleveland probably drops out of competition if LeBron leaves. But then you got Indiana rising up mm-hmm. in their place, I'd imagine. Good mm-hmm. pick with Holiday on their end today, too. They picked up a very good player in this draft as well. So we'll see what the impact is going forward. Obviously, these drafts nowadays take a long time to impact the league. But there were some guys who could definitely make an immediate impact tonight. I- I I just want to say... Reunion Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now, you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of the theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden. Also those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden, other than the fact that it's a thousand years old? Let's take a look. First of all, a garden, it's not. It's a train station, really. One flight up and you're on the fabled parquet floor. Now, before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet, take a closer look. 